Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Slab Bodyboarding Podcast. I recently caught up with Michael Ostler, founder and owner of Handpicked Bodyboards and recent winner of BoxFest in Port Stevens, Australia. We chatted about competitive mindset, custom boards, and mind-bending minute-long barrels in Namibia. I also managed to drop in a story of my own about Storm Eunice and the hectic weather that that brought to us. This episode is brought to you by Hempoid CBD. At Hempoid, it's critical that the suppliers they work with match the quality standards they set for themselves. They promise to deliver lab-tested, organic, high-quality products without the accompanying financial burden. The entire range is vegan, GMO-free, organic certified, pet-friendly, making it suitable for all and unrivaled in its class. They've given us a 25% discount code, which is SLAB23. Just follow the link in the Slab Bodyboarding Instagram bio. And just a disclaimer for this episode, yes, I know Andre Botha won his first world title in 1998, not 1999. Michael Osler, welcome to the Slab Bodyboard Podcast. Thank you for uh, jumping on. No, nah, thanks for having in, uh, me. How are things in Australia? Yeah, bro, not bad. Um, just had a good good day surfing, or good morning surfing. Uh, yeah, I can't complain, bro. I mean, everyone's had it pretty rough of the late with COVID and shit, but um, yeah, bro, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I can't, can't complain. Sweet. Good to hear. Very good to hear. Um, you're jumping on on the podcast straight off the back of your uh, your win at Boxfest. So congratulations on that. That's uh, pretty sick. Cheers, bro. I, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks. It uh, makes me happy to see uh, South Africans winning competitions in uh, Australians' backyards. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it pissed a few people off. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said um, on your your instagram post when you put it up that uh this one was special for you um this mm. is a bit of feeling behind that what's uh what's the story there cool that's um we're diving straight into some deep questions there um, Get right that, in. Uh, <laughs> uh, um where did i start there, there was a lot of levels um a few years ago i kind of when was it maybe 2020? Um, cause I stopped like chasing contests a while back. Um, I found like, I'm a very, very, very competitive person. And, um, I, when I was doing the, um, when I was doing contests, I found kind of, I found I was, um, can you, can you hear my phone going off or not? Nah. All right. No, good. good. Okay. Sweet. Um, yeah, I, 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 I was riding differently. Um, when I would make heats, it wasn't because I was the better rider. It's just because I rode the heat better. Um, I was struggling. I was struggling. To be honest, I was struggling with like where I, where I fitted into the bodyboard world. Um, that was a couple of years ago. And um, I uh, had some guys staying uh, with me here in Australia, Pierre and Tristan, and um, spent some time with them. And when I was going through all this stuff and just chatting to them and, uh, and then I kind of had like a change of mindset and I decided not to do contests anymore. And I wanted to just focus on just kind of going back to what, like just really loving boogieing. Like I didn't, I, I, I didn't enter any club comps. I didn't enter any world tour comps. That was the last comp I actually rode was 2020. It was the Kayama world tour comp that was here. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it was, it was I kind of spent, and then COVID hit like, kind of the perfect time for me to do this 
And um, I was, anyways, fast forward two years, I was really dealing, kind of getting through it. And because um, I kind of based my entire bodyboarding career on contests, um, okay. I was never the guy that, yeah. And uh, when, this, when this box beach comp came up, I'd never been there. I never knew anything about it. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to do it. And I was like, ah, I'm just going to enter, you know, and, and go up with some friends and just have a weekend away. Okay. And uh, I don't want to hustle one person. I don't want to snake anyone. I'm just going to, I'm just going to surf. Uh, I like, I kind of wanted to implement what I've been doing for the last two years into a, into a contest. And um, like you, uh, no one will know, but like in the finals, for example, in 20 minute final at a left wedge, which is basically a shore break, I caught two waves, one in the first minute and one in the last. And that's what got me through it. Just because I kept talking myself through it saying like, because like guys were so, guys are so good, bro. Guys are so damn good at booging here. It's so hard. And um, I just waited and I was like, I need, to, I, need, I need to get an eight. I need to wait for the bomb. And if it doesn't come, it doesn't come. And I did that kind of from like the quarters. I just was and guys are paddling around going nuts. I just kind of sat and waited and I really enjoyed surfing again. And then, and I never win. Like I never win. So like to get that was um, with, with my friends on like a, weekend away at a special place box is beautiful I, I never realized it um yeah that was that was one side of it that was it was it, it was important for me to kind of kind of gave me hope that like I can focus on one and do the other whereas before I thought I might have to you know choose choose one that's cool mm-hmm. so you said there a second is that you're trying to work out your position or where you fit in in the bodyboarding world has that have you yeah. more clarity on that now? Are you kind of feeling more, um, more centered? Or? Yeah, 100%. Um, I, well, growing up, I grew up at like a beach break that is a phenomenal beach break, um, North Beach, Durban. Um, but it's only phenomenal kind of four days a year. So like um, <laughs> there's, there's incredible waves around it and um, Cave Rock, there's waves all over. I'm sure a lot of people know, but um, I grew up surfing north beach day in and day out like that was my bread and butter which kind of helped me in the contest world because good bad or ugly i surfed i was getting dropped at the beach at 7 a.m getting picked up at five it was howling onto a one foot i stayed there all day and surfed that was just it's how i was uh, kind of was brought up and um when i moved to australia or actually no before i moved to australia i was copying a lot of like if i would i would just say I went to a comp or we went on like a, a shoot somewhere, whatever Car, guys kind of were like, Oh, if it's bigger than four feet, then Oscar's done. Like, like it's, if it's smaller than four feet, then I've got them. But if it was bigger and they were right, like if I rock up at a comp or we rock up to do a shoot or something and the waves are bigger than four feet, uh, I'm, I'm t- I was toast. Like these guys had my number. Just, that's just how it was. And um, when I moved here, I made like a conscious effort to, do the opposite i wanted to and it was kind of like learning to bodyboard again if i'm honest like riding the waves that are on offer here um there it's it's like a different sport different there's different every element to it is different the way you look at a wave the waves you look at um your lines like drawing lines so important and um i just got like obsessed with that that like that's why i think also winning boxing was amazing because it was small waves again and i haven't I was felt so out of it, but um, 
I still managed to kind of, you know, keep it together and, and do it. But yeah, just work, just that whole fit in thing. Um, I didn't want to be known as a guy who could only ride small waves and, um, at six foot three and 90 kgs, like it looks, <laughs> it's a bit, and, and to be fair, the, everyone, like, I just like the guys have my number in the small waves too. Maybe it's an excuse to get out of it. Cause like, I just remember <laughs> surfing against Pierre, like looking at a wave and, and he was like, I thought he was trying to sell, sell it to me. And I looked at it and I was like, Oh, maybe oh, I can maybe do a roll in this one. Oh, he can have it. And he did like a backflip and two rolls. And I was like, all right, sweet. <laughs> there's, there's no space <laughs> for me here anymore. <laughs> Different level. Uh, mm. you, you said, obviously, you grew up at North Beach. Um, what sort of years were those? Mm. 1999 was when I started and started at North Beach. Uh, and I never stopped there till I left, which was... 20 what what are you 2020 2018 yeah okay i love that yeah it was a special place that place it, it is and uh we've definitely surfed together because i am north beach built through and through yeah yeah i um moved to durban when in 1996 and uh surfed all the way through 1996 all the way through up to 2007 at the back end of my uh of that, I was surfing less and less, just work and, and stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, I was a regular, yeah. regular at the corner. Um, yeah, sick the corner. <laughs> yeah, yes. I was a grom um, when it was at the corners, but but yeah, yeah, sort of uh, Douglas Cockwell, Gordon Cockwell, Philip Rodriguez. That's all like, mm-hmm. uh, kind of my um, uh, heritage. Sick uh, playing um, playing shithead. On, on the, the, the beachfront <laughs> yeah. there, getting the stingers off the surf. Um, oh, nice. Andre Botha so won. Andre Botha won his first world title when I was in matric. Uh, so that's like year 12. So I was, that's 1999. Yeah, it's, yeah that was when yeah. I started. So yeah, yeah. sick. So you so, would have been, yeah, you would have been one of those guys. I, I shit myself when I seen in the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a pretty hectic place. And like, so I think like Wesley Fisher, those were mm. the groms that were kind of coming up. Um, they had just opened the Wave House, which I know that you you frequented quite a lot, um, mm-hmm. which was the the Wave Pool at, at Gateway. So yeah, we've cro- we've definitely crossed paths in the water. For sure, that's I epic. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a small mm. it's, bodyboarding is a, a small world all around. So yeah, um, that's the beauty of it. That's like. Someone asked me the other day, like, why, why, why bodyboarding? Like, why, like, why is it? I wouldn't say addictive, but like, why is it special? And I reckon it is. Like, the the worst part about bodyboarding is it's so small, but the best part about bodyboarding is that it's, it's so small. So small. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, was there a, a, you sort of answered it, but was there a moment at Boxy when you you kind of realized that you had it in the bag? Like, and what was that? Describe that feeling kind of when you knew oh, I've got this. Funny enough, there actually was. Um, well, there was two. Well, no, well, there was, I, I got a pretty stacked semi and um, the, the swell was dropping and the, everybody in my semi was like unbelievable when it's a bit smaller. Yeah. And um, I said to my friends on the beach, I said, if I make this heat, then I'm, I win the comp um, because I would have had ball? to knock 
just because I would have had to knock one of the one of the good guys out that were was in that heat, so they wouldn't be in the final, it would have opened it up a little bit, and um, it, I knew it would have given me momentum because the final was like that same day, and I would have had the confidence. Um, so I surfed the semi as if it was a final, and um, I had a, a pretty good heat, um, and I went in and kind of calmed down and the, but then the final draw came up and it was, it was a pretty hectic one and I went out and we surfed it well I caught one wave and I sat for 18 minutes so I definitely didn't feel it's in the bag <laughs> at all but the last minute when I got my second wave and I, let, I ducked out and I was paddling back out and they called and everybody was getting sevens and I had a six five or something and then they called I got an eight five or eight three or something and there was a minute left and the waves again, the tide was coming up and it was getting less consistent. That was, I knew then that I needed to like, it was pretty interesting because I paddled back to the peak and there was a minute to go. And I'd said to myself that I'm not going to surf this event like a contest. I'm just going to do it for me. It's not about the win. And I had to really deal with that at the end because in 20 seconds to go, um, this really good right came. And I was on the inside to go right. <laughs> and uh, the guy, Liam, was in second, was looking at me like, like he, was, he, wanted, he really wanted it. And um, I said to myself, I started paddling for it, like, I'm just going to block him. And then I was like, and I fully had this, like, conversation in that split second, like, like, like no, we, like, that's not why. I'm, I came here to implement this other thing. I'm not going to start hustling. And so I just said, go. And he went and he did, like, a, massive backflip and he fell and i was like thank god <laughs> and then <laughs> that wave made a wedge and now i'd gone in because i kind of went over with that wave and that made wave made a wedge and dallas was in position for it but i could have gone on the wedge and kind of blocked him and i also was like ah no no and i pulled off and unlucky for him but luckily for me that wave didn't do much and um so when it when it, when they announced that i'd won like i was still in the water I think I was so happy that I didn't go back to those old kind of shitty techniques and I just kind of stuck to my guns and it still worked. So it was, it was massive, massive weight off my shoulder. But yeah, I reckon if you, when did I know that I'd won? It was probably when the buzzer went through because that was, it was, was hectic. It, yeah. it, until then it was like anyone could have done it. But it, any of those guys can get eights off nothing. So yeah. Yeah, there was no, there was definitely no moment for <laughs> not like, not like the movies. <laughs> no, you just, oh, you just go wait for the, that buzzer to sound. Yeah, then bro. even then, that lady sings. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, looking at the roster before you kind of kicked it off, was there any one guy that you kind of had your eye on? You thought, oh, this guy's dangerous. I need to watch out for. I know it was a, like, um, it was a pretty stacked roster. I didn't look at the roster until the day of the event. Um, I try to not do it because then I would have got all competitive. Like, yeah, I would have gone into that mode. Um, there's one guy in Australia that every time I see him in an event, I like shit myself and it's Liam Lucas. Yeah. He, um, he can literally backflip anything and make it look good. So when I saw his name in the draw and I searched against him two heats in a row, so that was sick. Um, he's very, very tough. Uh, but the thing about this place is there's so many, and when I got to boxy, I realized this, there's so many guys who are like 
I'm not going to say not on the radar because they definitely are, but like there's if you didn't, if you're not in this community here, like you may not know what they do or how good they actually are. Like, I don't feel that these people get the platform to show how good they actually, like when I got to boxing and I saw these people and I was like, Oh my God, I hope he's not in my heat. See the next guy. I'm like, Oh, I hope he's not in my heat. And then I was like, Oh my God, I hope none of these guys are in my heat. Cause everyone, was so good like the local scene there is unbelievable and everywhere to be fair like if any events here the guys are like like i was just surfing down the coast now and the locals in the water were like like blowing me to pieces and people wouldn't know that at all because they don't kind of go around talking about it they don't have the platform to you know bodybuilding small but people here the level of riding here is pretty unbelievable so uh, yes, I was stressing for Liam, but I, I was pretty much stressed for everyone. <laughs> I was stressing, but it was everyone. Everyone rips. If, if you didn't get two sevens, you weren't making it through. It was, it was pretty nuts. Jesus, that's uh, mm. hectic. Very, very hectic. Is there um kind of one little bit of advice that you would give to a grom that's up and coming with with, with competition surfing? Like, what would you say? Is it um, one little key thing? Obviously, just coming off the back of a, a, a quite a nice win and a big win. Um, I would say it's a hard one because I think my kids just woke up. Tommy? Maybe. I'm not sure. Shit, man. I'm, I'm watching him, but he's asleep. Um <laughs> Uh, advice for a kid um but there, there's so many there's so many angles to to a contest um if you want to be the world champ if you want to be on that level i would just i would say learn to be ruthless if you can be if you can literally if you can disconnect your personal life from your contest life and people be okay with people hating that because people do hate that when not the best rider wins. And that's what happens all the time. You, you can see it on the world tour. You can see it down to the club comps. The best rider yeah. doesn't always win. The guy so who has the, the best, best, best competitor, best competitor wins. And um, yeah. if you, if you really want to succeed, learn the um, criteria that probably do a judging course yourself. And, um, so you know exactly what the guys are after and learn, learn to be okay with being ruthless, um, which is what I had to get away from. But yeah, to succeed, to be that on that level, for sure, I would say. It's good advice. It's controversial advice, but... Um... <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> you, if you watch Medina and Italo and they don't give a shit... Not anybody else, man. and that's yeah. why they are where they are. People it's, hate it, think, but it's it's the reality. It's the job. At least the the world of of high and top level sportsmen is they are mm. they have they that's have it. one one mindset and that's winning. And uh, sometimes it's, it crosses the line. No, hundred uh, percent. I mean, you look at there's been there's all sorts of stories of of severely crossing the line just because that becomes the most important thing is is the winning exactly but, um, exactly cool um is it true that uh mark rousseau actually got you into bodyboarding as a as a as a kid 
Yeah, yeah, which is that was why it was so important that when I started handpicked that he made my boards. Um, okay. He came, him and a guy named Steve Benson okay. came, uh, actually, and, and a guy named Craig Marie at a later stage, but um, Mark and Steve came to my school and did like a presentation. And um, yeah, that literally, that's what I signed up that day and that was it and then mark used to coach me like on friday arvos for like three four years yeah he got me in yeah (laughs) nice so what's your relationship with with him and handpick now what does that relationship look like um we we (laughs) there's i can't say too much but there's a lot of moving parts at the moment uh we we have COVID put, pushed us back two years. We started implementing like, like a new program. Let's, let's call it that. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and um, it pushed us back. So we, we, we've, we're two years behind where we wanted to be. Um, but we, we are working, we work together. Um, we have a, a mutual goal. Uh, we both know what we need to do to get there. It's just the last two years have been have been tough uh yeah so there's going to be there's going to be a lot of change coming up soon um the brand's still going we've we like we've branched out a little bit with the brands with the brand um marks still plays a huge role like we are now do like stock ranges just because we couldn't keep up with mark hand shaping every board so we okay um we do like a a stock range as well for the stores uh, and to, to supply like the global demand. And, um, but Mark has massive input with that as well. He's doing Q, QA, he's making sure everything is like of his standard. So um, he's, even though with the stock boards, he may not be physically shaping them himself. Um, he's still massive role. He's still designing them. He's still, he's doing everything, all of that. Yeah everything all the boards is him everything is him um okay. and yeah just like i said the just covid knocked us back a little bit we still we still i wish i could say more right now but um hopefully we'll, it'll kind of start un- unraveling in the next few months but yeah cool and that sets it up for you jumping back on when it all uh, all sets up nicely for you and, and you get back underway um yeah what um, you said before that you uh, would never go back to a mass production board. Are uh, mm-hmm. our custom boards that much better? So, I yeah. Um, there's a uh, there's a very controversial subject because people think that I'm I, I'm attacking other brands by saying this, but I'm not. Um, every brand has their own mission statement, and that's cool. Like I'm, I support it, and. I know a lot of the brand owners personally and they're my friends and I'm, I'm never having to go at them. I'm never, people mis- mistake that. They think that by me saying something, making a statement like that, um, I'm, I'm kind of rubbing the other brands down, but like, I'm, I'm definitely not. That's just what I, when, what I truly believe. Um, I, what was my exact statement against? Can you say that again? What you I just said? said people people ask you if you would ever go back to a stock board or a mass production board, and uh, you uh, just said no, you wouldn't. So, yeah. So uh, when when Mark makes 
well, put it this way. There's a reason why every single pro is writing a custom board. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, for me, that's just like, yeah, yeah, that's, there's a reason because everybody's body shape is different. Everybody's, um, so when, when you see these pros getting boards and they're getting all customs and there's a reason for it, it, it is a whole nother level up. Um, it's made perfectly for you. Sometimes you, like depending on what you make, like I know with my boards, I make them so I don't have to break them in. Uh, I can take a brand new board to a surf for the first time and it felt like I've ridden it 10 times. Um, I can tell Mark like, oh, I, I'm making a board for, I'm, I'm going to Hawaii. So you know, I want a little bit more drag on the tail so you can make my channels like milk. Like when you start looking at like Mark's a genius like that, I just say to him and Sasha Specker, for example, drop me world champ. He, when he orders boards from us, he literally, his order form says going whatever. I want to go fast. I want a little bit of control, lots of pop. That's all he says. And Mark makes his board. Like that's, you can, Mark can literally take in that information and make, a board for you um but in saying i would never go back to a stocky i'd probably be lying because i do believe there there's a place for them like um a stock board is, is i i have i always have two stock boards in my quiver now um it's just a great board to thrash i love to have like this morning i went down i surfed like a left wedge and i used the stock board just because it was like it was super rampy, super peaky. I just wanted to thrash it. Like I don't, it's just, it's just a piece of foam to me at the end of the day. Um, yeah. And there definitely is a place for them. But when we're talking like proper, if I'm doing a trip somewhere, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to get Mark to make my boards. There's no two ways about that. So, and if you ask any of the guys who are riding the customs in my team or guys who are on like a pretty good level of booging. Uh, if you ask them if they go, like guys, when they order boards from Mark, when they go away, they order like two, three at a time, um, yeah. made to like exactly what they want. And then they know that's exactly what they're going to get. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I do recommend, like I, I like to have a quiver of like four boards at all time. And I, I will probably have two stockies okay. in there just, just in case. Yeah. Like it's good. It's good to have. It's, it's a bodyboard. It's good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, uh, run about two or three boards at the same time um mm. and uh yeah just different conditions some of them are just for getting beat up um yep got some pretty uh wedgy shallow breaks uh over here in the uk so uh I don't i've seen take actually my, seen um yeah there's some there's some good breaks um all around some of the better ones are a long drive i'm over in wales at the moment um okay and uh, we do get we do get waves here, but it's cold. I've spoken about it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it is I actually, cold. Um, I almost came over like two weeks ago. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. We, I was very close, but in, I just my wife and my son ended up coming, and I stayed. Okay. Um, just there was a lot going on here, but yeah, when I was preparing to come over, <laughs> I was I was getting like the the amount of rubber I was getting. <laughs> from a wetsuit is out of control yeah i'm so i'm so scared of cold water <laughs> <laughs> it's um yeah i'm i'm running this now six four hooded suit oh so, yeah with with boots and gloves sometimes 
So is uh, it even? Do you, is it even like like? Do you even enjoy it? Is it not too cold? Su- surprisingly, like it can be super super fun. I hate gloves. I, I honestly, I hate wearing gloves. I just you just don't have the control on your board. You don't. You can't. You don't have the yeah. feeling. So like there are times that I'll I'll just suck it up. There are loads of guys that they will go through the whole winter until like two weeks ago before they concede wearing gloves. Um, no, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm out. I'm so, out. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, through the winter, we've just recently had um, one of the biggest storms that the UK has had, um, and uh, like they closed the roads. It was a, a a red weather warning. Really, really hectic storm. Hundred mile an hour winds. Um, mm. People losing their minds. Uh, trees coming down all over the place, and. Uh, for us in Wales, it it was just game on. Like we get, we kind just of it's very as well. <laughs> yeah, we're tucked around the corner, so a lot of the breaks that are um, it's very very strange. They they face the same, well, they face the opposite direction to the swell direction. Oh, so so oh, for so instance, what it like wraps around or like bounces yeah. off somewhere? Yeah, it wraps around big time. So so you Sick. can have. You could have, if you're looking out to sea, and you let's say, for instance, you've got a uh, a westerly swell or a northwesterly swell, you would have a northwesterly wind, and you're facing northeasterly. So the swell direction and the wind direction are exactly the same, but it's blown offshore. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> nuts. That's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, it's so weird. But I know um, I do understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So we so got, it just would like wrap around like a headland or something. Almost 180 degrees, yeah. Wow. That's so cool. But you can get um, pretty big swells because with, with the wind and shit, it'll you know obviously accelerate the swells and then that's pretty cool. That's really cool, actually. Yeah, you have to um you have to when you check the charts, you you're looking for like deep, deep black. It needs to needs to be kind of like five to eight meter swells out to sea to get a four to five foot break um, because yeah, you're losing yeah. so much energy around the corner but um yeah 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 it's uh, hectic man yeah and you've got to be bracing for the cold <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was already out there bro. watching <laughs> um i'll tell you a funny uh, a story so there's this one break that uh we surfed right in the peak of the storm but um the car park is relatively far from the break and um, so you got to grab all your gear. Some people take the gear down to the beach and change. Um, I like to change at the car, but then I put gum boots on or Wellington boots on over my <laughs> over my wetsuit, and then trudge through the fields over the top of the headland. And um, my mate and I were walking up over the headland, and a surfer was coming the opposite way, and he's like, "You better put your leash on." And I was like, "Okay." So I put my leash on <laughs> and we walked up the hill. And as we got, as we crested, the wind was so hard that it was like pushing you across. And also the ground is sodden. So it's muddy and, and uh, like, it's just slippery. And I'm walking along. I got my fins in my, in my hand. I got my board on my arm. Next minute, the wind blows so hard. It slams the board out of my hand, arms. 
it goes flying, honestly, like an out-of-control kite. So my ball is just in the air, thrashing around. I slip over, hit the deck, and <laughs> the wind is so strong that it was dragging me down the field. And it No goes way. Off. Yeah, shit, you know, like, it goes off the edge of the cliffs. So I'm just like, oh, fuck, I'm going to die. Like, trying to ram my Wellington, my gun boost into the, into the mud. Oh. Like... Just that's when you take the leash yeah. off, bro. You, you call it quits, bro. <laughs> yeah, I could, like you just don't know what you're doing. You're like, oh, oh. Yeah. that's mental. And then you got to go get in like six degree water after that. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm out, yeah. bro. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, that's hectic. All funny games. All funny games. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it was the weirdest surf I've ever had. After, after, like, because it was blowing like dead offshore and the gusting wind was like i don't want to exaggerate but in this kind of 50 mile an hour range so the spray off the back of the wave was so hectic that like you would paddle over the top of the wave and then you couldn't see anything for about three or four seconds so you couldn't see the oncoming wave you didn't know what was coming at you because you were just completely blind and like wow. and the sun was shining yeah just like <laughs> just weird that's right that's absolutely a weird one. i um it's pretty I cool though a... pretty cool to be in those elements though i i think yeah. that would be pretty rad i try to do a roll and like as i hit the lip the ball my ball is just gone just gone. straight out of my hands like wow like and um and your takeoff is just a completely blind takeoff like it was so weird you, you you're paddling and the spray in your face is just so hectic you like drop down bottom turn come up and you can feel the offshore wind like pulsing your board up underneath you as so as a left hand we're surfing there's a few different parts of those peaks there but we're surfing that left hand into the corner and like it's just such a strange feeling it was like one of the yeah. weirdest surfs that i've ever had like, never surfed in wind that strong before like yeah, that sounds but, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun though. Super, super fun. Um if I said to you mallard green, black rails, white slick PP, single stringer, and no mesh. Mm-hmm. What would that mean to you? That would mean that's one of my boards. That's one of your boards. So what's this? So I, I picked it up of an Instagram post and you the caption underneath was a uh, uh that there's a story behind this board with this combination, but um, it's a story for another time. So. <laughs> wow, you've done your research. Um, I can tell you, I can tell you now. Um, when my the first board I ever owned was yeah. Mallard black and white, and okay. um, Polypro single string and no mesh. Yeah, and um, and it was a planet it was, comet, wasn't it? Yeah, planet. Yeah, 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 and um. When I bought these, when I did that range of stock boards, um, I was considering closing handpicked. Okay. Um, and I, it was like mallard black and white is probably like, I, I did, no one ever asked for it. No, it was never like a on trend color. It was never, um, I did it purely because if this thing was to, if this thing had a closed, um, I think it would have been really cool that that would be the last board that I ever made. 
was the first board that I ever had. So um, it was very, it was touch and go for a while. COVID had really hit us and um, we're bleeding money for a while. And I just decided to, to, to go with this one as like, because normally when I design ranges, um, there's a lot of input from a lot of certain players and um, you look at what's trending and colors and what you like and what you don't like and what other people like. And, you know, you, you take a lot of, you take a lot of information from a lot of sources, put it together and create and design a range. Not Sometimes it's not necessarily what I like or maybe what, you know, the people around me like. But um, when I did this one, it was the first board that I ever would like. was like, I don't care. This is what I'm doing. And it was actually, in hindsight, it was a pretty big gamble considering that like the company kind of <laughs> depended on it. But um, yeah. I just felt that if I did something that, I wasn't thinking about profit or business or um, I just did something that like meant something to me. Like maybe it would resonate with people. Like they don't necessarily need to know the story, but like, I tr- like when these, when those boards came in, I think, I think there's a lot of people who could see that it was like special to me. I, I loved it. I loved when those yeah. boards came out and it was very special for me. And to be very honest, I think it kind of like gave me a lot of drive to keep pushing yeah um because I, I just was so passionate like i kind of like it lit like yeah it was a special one for me to open that box or the, the box that came for me and um pull out that board with my logo on like and it was the same as my planet it was pretty like you still have one like yeah of course man <laughs> <laughs> i'll never i'll never get i'll never get rid of it um just yeah it was a, it was definitely a special one um and that's probably why I didn't tell the story because it's pretty boring to people that <laughs> don't know. But for me, it was, yeah. for me, it was, and no one knew that, that you know, the company was um, under some pressure with COVID and, and how close it actually was to yeah. tipping the other way. But um, in hindsight, it's, for me personally, it's a pretty cool story. And that, that board is special. Yeah. It will be, it'll yeah. be in my quiver forever, or it'll be in a box downstairs forever, even when I'm done with it, for sure. I mean, th- those are the special stories that that people do love. They like to know the the background and the the hidden bits. Yeah. So thanks for telling. Yeah, me that so one. No, yeah, no, that that's that that was yeah, that was a pretty pretty cool one, pretty cool experience. <laughs> um, growing up in South Africa, um, like I'm sure a lot of South Africans have, um, we have some pretty gnarly and hectic stories. Um, about stuff that's gone down in our lives. Um, <laughs> you once threw a pot plant through the back windscreen of a vehicle, a car that had just been hijacked. What's what's that story? Yeah. What, what? <laughs> uh, that was that was that was good. Um, no, I just I was at my unit was like three stories up. Uh, yeah, three stories up, and um, I just I had heard like a scream, and I was friendly with all my neighbors and. Um, I looked out the window and I just saw like, I saw these two guys walking out my building and I kind of just had like a strange feeling. It was actually pretty trippy because I had a strange feeling about them and they weren't doing anything wrong. They just walked and got into a car. And then I said like, and it was a new car my neighbor had just got. So it wasn't like a car was, I wasn't confident it was her car. 
And um, and I was just like, no, bro, why are these guys coming out my my block? Like, I know all my neighbors. We it was only six units in the block, and I was like, that that's kind of weird. And I was like, and I'm pretty sure that's my neighbor's car. And then once they got in the car, I saw they were like frantic, and they couldn't. They put it in reverse and like bounced the car back, and they couldn't. So they couldn't drive. And then I was like, no, fuck, bro, they, they um, they stealing this car, like. Fuck, that's my fucking neighbor's car then for sure and then i saw them like they were bouncing the car and trying to drive off and i just looked down and i had a pop plant on the floor and i just picked it up and threw it and it was throw was if you offered me hundreds of dollars to do that again no way and it like went straight through the back window we like <laughs> from the third story eric they would have thought a gun went off and um yeah, I went straight through the window and they actually panicked. They drove down the road, like two Ks down the road and left the car because obviously the back window is going to like attract attention and shit. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it saved, ended up saving the car, but it was pretty crazy. As soon as I threw the pop plant, I was just like, I thought, fuck, imagine, imagine it is their car. <laughs> I'm just throwing a pop plant through this guy's window, bro. And, uh, but then they didn't stop, so I knew straight away that that yeah. it was stolen. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Well, Jesus. yeah, well, it's one of those stories that is, it's uh, it's funny but not funny at the same time. Yeah, but, yeah, fully, <laughs> that's exactly it. Oh, geez, uh, as a South African, I think a lot, of, so many of us have those crazy stories. Um, oh, people wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe it. <laughs> um, hey, boy. Hey, Tommy, that is just doing some work. I'm going to come now, okay? Give me five minutes, okay? Go play with your Lego. Yeah, bro, I'm just a little bit busy, okay? I'm going to come now. I'll even give you a chocolate. <laughs> he just woke up from his nap. This one's not working, bro. Look. Okay, I'm coming. I'm coming now. Go get it ready. I'm coming. It'll be all right. Sorry, bro. I didn't know. Don't, don't, don't stress, dude. It's uh, it's your it's time. One of those things. No, no, he'll he'll be sweet. He'll be sweet. He just, I think he was a bit tripping out where I was. Like no one's in the house. Yeah, so quiet and stuff. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, you are one of the very few bodyboarders in the world to have ridden the donkey in Namibia. Oh wow! Yeah, special place that. Yeah, you um, you describe it as mind blowing, mind bending, minute long barrels. So, what does that even mm. feel like? Like, um, uh, hypnosis. That's <laughs> like the closest thing. Um, it's surreal. Like you start like doing that with your eyes. Um, it's it's like I try. Like it's pretty cool when you come across someone like that's done it that's gone there and um you can talk to them and like as badly as you're trying to explain it they also trying to explain it but because it's just like it shouldn't exist um i can't like it's just one of those things that like this world like it's it should not exist um i got yeah everybody who goes pretty much gets waves it's um it's just the most mind bending experience. Like you, you don't, when you're in the barrel for that long and it's so big and heavy and intense and cold and 
you don't act, you start like wondering what's real and what's not. It's pretty like, like a minute in the barrel is a very long time, bro. It's a oh, very geez. like 10 seconds weird. in the barrel is, yeah. is a very and, long um, time. I actually never cracked the minute I got 58 seconds, which pisses <laughs> me off, bro. I, I'm like dying to go back. I need to go and get it. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those things that's like it's it should not exist, and um, the whole experience around it, the from like the fly into the car rental to the accommodation to like the driving on the beach, the flamingos, the salt water, the salt place, ah, uh, oh, the wind, the the people, like you can be surfing. You can be out there with like the best. Well, you hardly ever in the water, to be fair. But when you're walking back up, like you're walking with like some of the best stand-up surfers in the world, and everyone's like just as frothing and just as blown away as you are. Like, um, we had an amazing crew of guys that we went with, and I just remember it was funny. Like, I came to eat at the car, and we, we were with like uh, Don Bassett, um, Wilder Shorts, Ben Player. Josh Cleave and um, our other friend, um, Roger Potter. And I just remember seeing everyone eating, but with their back towards the ocean and they were just like facing inland. And I kind of got there and I was like, oh man, I need water. I need to eat. Like, like what's going on? And I had the laptops out, you know, like changing, doing all the GoPro stuff. And I was like, eventually I was like, why? What? And I was screaming because I was just looking at waves. And I was like, why are you guys... Um, facing like the freaking desert like um, and then i think it was ben just goes bro if we turn around like we you're just gonna go back out you can't not because it's just like one minute long <laughs> left barrel has been unridden and as soon as you see it you're like Fuck, I got, I, how can i not be out there and you, you end up like not eating for the whole day you're just like walking back out drinking water in a jade whatever you got to do you can't you literally cannot stop it's just like as soon as you try to take a break you look up and you just see like unwritten barrels for 2Ks and you're like, oh, bro, I'm here once, I'm out there. Like By the day three, you're done. You can't, like, I didn't even care. <laughs> like, day three, I didn't, I didn't, I think we went to the beach, I, I, yeah, I was fried, bro. It was out of control, out of control. It's, yeah, it's just one of those, yeah, I would, I would fly back for that any day, any day. Worth every cent. I don't care how much it is. It's like, it's special, bro. It's unbelievable. Oh, it's uh, one of those dream places that is still kind of like, it's just this out there kind of <laughs> phenomenon that not, I mean, not anyone, not everyone, very few people will actually get to experience it. So not many and relatively in terms of like the number of bodyboarders and surfers out there. It's just, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty like you've got to get it right when it's right pretty easy to get like to read the charts and you know it's gonna work but it's a big it's a big mission to get there yeah. like, especially from if you're not from south africa like yeah well if you're not living the living there yeah it's pretty full-on so i yeah. i can understand why guys would be like oh i'd just rather just go to like fiji or bali or hawaii it's cheaper you can surf yeah. lots more but I promise like one, just one wave there. It's worth everything, all the hustle, everything. Oh, sounds amazing. Sounds absolutely amazing. It really is. 
Are you currently like sponsored by anyone? Obviously, you're you're right and handpicked at the moment. That's your own company. Are you any other supporters out there that you may want to give a um, shout out to? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm supported by Knife Fins. Um, they they do a pretty beautiful fin. Uh, my feet are so difficult to find fins for, and uh, Winnie rung me up, and yeah, he got me on the knife brand. Um, and that's yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I um, I'm more like I got to a point where it was just it's just so lacker to be able to go into a bodyboard shop and buy a wetsuit when I need one. Like I don't, yeah. I'm not interested in in the sport. The industry is small as it is. The, the, um, I know from having my own brand, it's like how many people out there ask for help and favors, and you know as a individual you want to help them so much because you know that you know the struggle and you know it's it's tough and but we when it comes to like wetsuits and leashes and all that kind of stuff i'm i haven't pursued anything i'm not i just love i'm i'm more than happy to and i get to bounce around on brands try new brands do this do that it's um a little bit of freedom and uh yeah yeah but when but when when you rang me for the for the knife fins that was that was cool. I'm, I'm good friends with Winnie and um, that, yeah, that was, that was, that's, I'm, I'm more than happy to ride for him. That's, that's, that's very cool. Sweet. So it's just HP and knife. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Wicked. Very cool. Well, I mean, that's sort of around the 45 minute mark. So a really cool time to, to wrap it up. Oh, is that Michael 45? That was quick, bro. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. having me, bro. This is awesome. No worries. Thank you so much for jumping on. Um, and congratulations on your on your win at the the boxy. Thanks, Brew. At what time is it over there? It's late, isn't it? It is one forty seven in the morning. You joke. You woke up for this. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put in the yeah. hours. It's uh, wow. Um, I take my hat off to you. That's sick. Once again, a massive thank you to Michael Osler for giving up his time to have a chat with us. This episode was brought to you by Hempoid CBD. For 25% off, use the discount code SLAB23 and follow the link through my Instagram bio. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for listening. Follow Slab Bodyboarding on Instagram for regular book stuff and tag your mates if you dig the content. Keep frothing. Yoop.